Warning, this podcast has bad words in it. Don't tell mom. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com and by The War on Christmas. Halloween's over, so it's time to ruin the lives of Christians with red cups and the word happy. Let the preemptive strikes begin. And now, Scathing Atheist. I'm Chris from the Podunk Polymath Podcast, and we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men, unless you're from the South, in which case, we ain't come from no damn apes. It's November 2nd. And we're just as pissed off at God as you are. I'm no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, in Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Roy Moore isn't sure if gays are people. House Republicans hope to pass a morning-after bill that describes when a woman's right to choose comes to an end. And the president of the Australian Skeptics will be here to convince us that Australia isn't going to kill us. But first, the diatribe. On Tuesday, the world gathered in commemoration of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And as the web of Protestant sects bask in the afterglow of that milestone, I think it's important that we rationalists piss on it a little bit. So here's the story they tell. It is one of the most iconic stories in the history of Western religion. Martin Luther, a a plucky small-town monk, grew tired of the festering corruption of the Catholic Church and defiantly strode through town, hammer and nails in one hand and his complaint in the other. As the town folk watched, he walked up to the castle church in Wittenberg and nailed his 95 theses to the door, thus sparking a worldwide religious realignment that would sap the power from Rome and put it back in the hands of the people. In that single act of defiance, Luther paved the way for the Enlightenment and began the slow process of wresting power out of the greedy hands of the papacy. And of course, virtually every word of that is bullshit. Now, now that doesn't matter much to Protestants because they're religious and historical accuracy has long been a fickle mistress for the faithful, but we value facts. So let's shine a light on a couple of the details here. First of all, Martin Luther almost certainly never nailed the 95 theses to the church door at Wittenberg or anywhere else for that matter. And this isn't a he would have used paste kind of quibble here, although he almost certainly would have used paste. This whole event is just a fucking fabrication. Now, I I should ratchet down my confidence level a bit on that because I'm no historian and there are legitimate historians who think this happened. But there's also a hell of a lot who don't. And they tend to offer up better evidence. Like, for example, the fact that this story wasn't recorded until after Martin Luther's death. And when it was, it was by a guy who claimed to be an eyewitness, but was later proven to be nowhere near Wittenberg that day or that year for that matter. And it's not like Martin Luther wasn't a fan of writing shit down. Why wouldn't he have written in something about having done this somewhere in the 30 or so pamphlets that he cranked out in the three years after it? But beyond that, 
it just wouldn't make any fucking sense for him to nail a do something note to the church door. Martin Luther wasn't looking to create a schism. He considered himself a good Catholic and didn't want to get excommunicated. He wanted reform, sure, but he almost certainly would have been trying to keep it quiet along the way. So that's misconception number one. But number two is way more nefarious. See, the whole origin story of Protestantism relies on the idea that Martin Luther was rebelling against the corruption of the Catholic Church. And that's partly true in the sense that he was rebelling against part of the church's corruption, specifically the selling of indulgences. Now, granted, the idea that the Vatican selling fast pass tickets to heaven is pretty fucking corrupt. But if you or I went back in time and observed the early 16th century Catholic Church in action, I feel like selling indulgences would be pretty low on our list of abuses. I, this is basically the heyday of the church burning people alive for thinking wrong. They were just wrapping up the Spanish Inquisition, and Martin Luther didn't seem super worried about that kind of shit. Instead, he was quibbling about theological minutia. And if you look at the types of corruption he was really getting up in arms about, it's fair to say he wasn't so much against corruption as blatant corruption that even the lay people couldn't easily overlook. Right. So, so this heroic image of Martin Luther as a stalwart against malfeasance and licentiousness requires a radical reinterpretation of morality. He was a Catholic worried that the guys in charge were fucking up the good thing he had going. So that's misconception number two. But there's one more I want to draw a bit of a circle around, and it's a lot more sinister than the other two, because both of those are just a typical hero worship style shit that happens anytime there's a movement. Right. They're the natural byproduct of the same shit that has Republicans in today sucking Ronald Reagan's dick despite him running the most corrupt presidential administration in the pre-Trump era. Point being, it can happen without malevolence, right? It just happens that these historical figures get lionized. That's not so much true for this third one because it's worth asking why this story exists, right? If it never happened or at the very most generous, if there's no contemporary record of it happening and no strong evidence that it ever did happen, why is it so ingrained in the minds of so many people? If it's purely an invention, why was it invented? Well, to answer that, you need to fast forward to the 100th anniversary of the movement. This is 1617, Europe's in the run-up to the 30 Years' War, and a local bohemian ruler wants to drum up some Protestant solidarity right before the Catholic Habsburgs come through and murder the fuck out of them. So he cooks up a historical event and says, hey guys, look, this shit happened 100 years ago tomorrow. Let's all us Lutherans gather together and celebrate. Now, whether or not they think that the whole castle door thing ever happened, the vast majority of historians agree that there was very little talk about it before the Reformation anniversary of 1617. So in all likelihood, it was a piece of propaganda meant to fire up some soldiers that were about to die. The anniversary was actually used for the exact same purpose 100 years ago when the 400th anniversary rolled around. And that would have been, by the way, the end of World War One, right about the time the Germans needed a national figure to rally around. And it didn't much matter that most of the major powers they were fighting against at this point were also Protestant. The German government used the lie about the door nailing as a symbol for German courage. See, the whole story of Martin Luther nailing the complaints on the church door isn't any old lie. It was cooked up to help kill people. It was a pernicious lie then, and it remains one now. The church would love to sell Martin Luther as a high-minded reformer because the more they glorify the man at the top of the pyramid, the less likely you'll be to notice the stack of corpses he's standing on. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are two rebels without a cause, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, have you considered maybe uh, prostate cancer awareness? Okay, don't stick your finger in people's butts at Skepticon without asking. Bring awareness to prostate cancer. Make up your mind. <laughs> Dude, you could run for president on that. Eli Bosnick, at least I was checking for cancer, too. <laughs>
<laughs> right? Matt Dillahunty went right to the doctor after that. Oh, right Jesus to the doctor. Christ. Yeah, okay, but uh, I don't think that's why he went to the doctor. Well, Irregardless. Obviously, we need a minute to set up a super PAC and a legal defense fund, so we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's sponsor, Stamps.com. All right, guys, looks like we're all packed. Um, does anybody need... To, what is that? Oh, you mean Kangi? Yeah, we love this guy. We are not going home without him. Ah, Kangi! Right? Look, look, guys, I know you loved Australia, but you cannot ship yourself home a kangaroo. Why, why not? It's Kangi. It's too expensive. We're going to have to wait in line at the post office. It's going to be a nightmare. Oh, Noah, don't worry about that. Because we're going to use Stamps.com. Stamps.com? Yeah, Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Yeah, but shipping a kangaroo? Yum, and Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale, automatically calculates exact postage, and Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. No need to lease an expensive postage meter, but they saved us like 50 bucks, maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred bucks. How do you get the kangaroo? Okay. I mean, the- I use stamps.com because they're easy to import template makes sending our Patreon rewards a breeze, but I also use it to like ship my comics when I buy and sell them. And, and now I'm using it for kangi, kangi. And, and our listeners can try this. Sure. Right now they can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer. That includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's Stamps.com and enter scathing. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right. The kangaroo can live with us. Yay! But you guys are cleaning up after him. Yeah. Mm, Maybe. Stamps.com does not deliver kangaroos. Maybe you clean up. We'll make a chart. (laughs) (laughs) And now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, New Zealand is a lovely country that scores well in terms of health, education, economic freedom, and quality of life. More than just gorgeous mountain vistas and breathtaking oceanic views, New Zealand also boasts a thriving dairy industry, a strong national commitment to renewable energy, and a national rugby team that is often cited as the greatest team in any sport of all time. And if it sounds like I'm just sucking up to New Zealand because Donald Trump is my president and I fear for my national future, that's okay because that's exactly what I'm doing and New Zealand won't give a fuck because they have to take the ask us and where they can get it transparently self-serving or otherwise i'm just saying they may let me in to hobbiton for money but getting me out will take a whole lot more (laughs) (laughs) just eli running around hobbiton naked got your ring can't see me got your ring (laughs) blam side tackle (laughs) by a hobbit it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to this But not being led by a sociopathically self-absorbed idiot isn't all that New Zealand has to offer the potential atheist migrant. On October 27th, for example, they swore in their newest prime minister, Jacinda Ardern, and she became the first PM in the nation's history to do the ceremony with no Bible and no references to God. 
Hooray! Ardern is an ex-Mormon who left the church more than a decade ago over the refusal to support LGBT equality. She now describes herself as agnostic because she didn't want to make it too easy on me here, but uh, <laughs> still. Oh, agnosticism. Better. Code for atheists the way family values is code for gay. <laughs> or, wait, sorry, you sexually assaulted someone. Either or oh, doesn't, Christ, I guess that's dude. now a thing. Yeah, gay, sexual, it's interchangeable. Maybe, uh, Maybe Harvey Weinstein should come out as straight on Twitter. Ooh, <laughs> Make things I wonder what that conversation with his publicist would be like. Would be like. What? No, 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 no. Veto. Cancel. Veto. Veto. Cancel. And now look, I don't want to objectify New Zealand's prime minister just because she's a woman, but it seems like it'd be a bit of an oversight not to at least mention that she was crazy hot. So like if like I'm I'm just saying if the plan was to hook her up with Justin Trudeau and make a hyper gorgeous class of predestined world leaders, I wouldn't be a hundred percent against it. Ugh, mm. just a trilingual gang of baby super atheists winning handshakes with old men. Hell yes. yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> mm. I headshot of him on my ceiling. <laughs> and in they're coming for our Halloweenies news tonight. Mission America founder and 100% fucking crazy person Linda Harvey took to World Net Daily this week to let us know that were it not for religion... She'd be getting the help and care she so sorely needs. <laughs> in a screed whose first draft I can only imagine was written in her own feces on WorldNet Daily, official website of things for homeless people to scream at you on the street, Miss Harvey <laughs> took on everything from Playboy's upcoming trans centerfold to the secret LGBTQ agenda behind Halloween in America. Honestly, really? it is worth reading the entire thing. We could do an entire podcast called God Awful Things Linda Harvey Wrote Down, but I'll put out a couple highlights. <laughs> First person that says Patreon goal gets an Adderall shoved in their eye. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, just, I'm getting ready for Australia, and it's been a rough couple of weeks. Okay. Okay, but what do I say to get it shoved in my nose? <laughs> Is there a uh, in my experience, hey, guys, why don't we get a month ahead on shows while we're away in Australia? <laughs> Worked for me. Thanks, Alan. Hope your midterms in middle school go well. Okay. <laughs> Back to Harvey. First... Her proof that Halloween is a plot to turn everyone gay. Quote, America's recent exaltation of Halloween as a festival, second only to Christmas, owes a lot to promotion by homosexuals and their new favorite comrades, gender-confused males and females. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking, it's going to be Christian parents all over the country just breaking open candy bars. Is that a dick? I thought I saw a dick. Okay, if Johnny gets any dicks, we uh, we trade that one with his sister for her <laughs> vagina ones so they don't have the wrong stuff in their candy. Baby Anderson Cooper just has four candy bars in his mouth. What? I like candy. <laughs> <laughs> she continues. I don't know why I chose Anderson Cooper. Why was it him? It's a great, okay. If you picture like a white-haired kid, it makes it better. <laughs> makes it way... Better. <laughs> she continues. And as usual, the LGBTQ folks have no problem using any tool, Halloween included, to corrupt children. Last fall, a homosexual website featured an article about a nine-year-old boy dressed as a drag queen, a transvestite, with the help of his gay uncle. I love that she clarified. I also love that gay uncle, the word gay is in quotation marks there. <laughs> 
I mean, I know that's a weird thing to obsess over in this time cube-esque rant, but what is she trying to imply with the quotes? <laughs> that, the, that the kid's uncle secretly loves the pussy? <laughs> that's what it is. Also... Drag queen, not transvestite. So it's all wrong. It's yeah, it bothered me too. Yeah. The, there, are, there are quotes in weird, like she's got quotes around nine-year-old boy in here. So you're like, wait, is that, is that not real? Is that a thing she thinks gay? It's a whole thing. Anyway, she goes on. And is it a coincidence that in early October, a person dressed in a transvestite demon costume with horns read LGBTQ books to children as part of Homosexual History Month at Long Beach, California Library? I'm sorry, Um, but coincident to what? I mean, (laughs) is it a yes that it is in, in that it coincided with things? It is a coincidence. What the fuck are you talking about? Also, why'd she specify with horns? <laughs> also, how would she know if the demon was a transvestite? <laughs> yeah, right. What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, a demon, let me see your dick. Uh. <laughs> she concludes, even we conservative Christians can't make this stuff up. Yes, yes, you can, Linda. You, you <laughs> These people are truly out of their minds. End quote. She would, she would know all about it. She would know. Yeah. But luckily for Linda, she was given an early warning to the evils of Halloween when she and her friend played with a Ouija board. <laughs> quote, <laughs> when I was 14, I had my own bizarre encounter with the enemy spirit world by experimenting with a Ouija board. Oh, since Jesus my parents, Christ. since my parents were Episcopalians, I received no warnings of spiritual <laughs> danger because at that time they lacked a mature, informed level of faith. The fucking Episcopalians, <laughs> man. yeah, take Basically that shot, Jews. <laughs> But when my friend and I asked the, and again, this is in quotation marks, board question, she doesn't think it was a board, what does that mean, Linda? When my friend and I asked the board questions, some unseen force pushed the pointer around. At times, our fingers were hanging on for dear life as it flew around the board, often spelling out messages. Often! Often, which means, but most of the time, not. (laughs) This is bullshit. It said that you were going to make out with Grunz at the party. (laughs) Now me too? What the fuck? We're both going to make out with Grunz? (laughs) Foreign exchange student from Oslo is like, it's pronounced Gretzniff, and this is the best party ever. (laughs) I'm going to drive a truck into some people in New York. She goes on. (laughs) Way too soon. How is it too soon? No one here cares. She goes on. I had a little, like, you see, and they all got up and they were like, oh, this is a terrible day. Oh my God. Sorry, it's super early to do this. It's a terrible day here in New York. Anyways, five of them were Venezuelans. I'm just saying. I had, they were, no, they weren't. They were Argentinian. That's yeah. way better than Venezuela. The Venezuelans, they wouldn't let in. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> she goes on. I had little biblical background to understand what this presence surely was. Now, I can only thank God for mercifully protecting me from being drawn more deeply into this spooky and alluring world where the unseen has real, tangible power, end quote. (laughs) So God, if you're real and listening, first of all, sorry about the whole show thing, but all I can ask of you is this. 
put me in a room with Linda Harvey and some invisible thread, and I will take back all the mean things I have ever said about you. I can't speak for that. Please, God. Please, please, please. <laughs> Next up in headlines from the Rifra Madness file. A new law just went into effect in the state of Mississippi that pretty much legalizes every possible form of discrimination as long as you think your intended victim is gay mm-hmm. or trans or a Lamanite or a Gadianton <laughs> or from any group that your bigoted wizardry club thinks is gross, thus making America greater again than it's been since antebellum times. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, to be fair, these times feel pretty antebellum. I like a different bellum. But but a bellum Something's nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2016, the lobotomized generation. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, we actually covered this last year when the law was originally proposed. And at the time, the head of the Justice Department was not a racist elf. So it seemed like it'd be pretty easy to get rid of the law if it ended up going this far. But things are different now. And uh, bottom line, a gay person in Mississippi could be refused service by a restaurant or a public school or even a fucking ambulance. So, yep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Sir, I need you to breathe. Also, do you like sweet, sweet pussy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coming. So, uh, great. Yeah, one other detail about HB 1523. That's the bill that made this law happen. Um, as if it wasn't evil enough already, the license to discriminate doesn't even end with the LGBT community. For example, the bill specifically mentions that it's okay to refuse service to anyone you think might be committing adultery, which means, yeah, at at some point uh, during the debate over this bill, there was one reasonable person and they were like, wait, um, we can't just legalize discrimination against anybody who doesn't follow the rules of the Bible. Otherwise, we're going to be like stoning adulterers and the rest of the room was like shut up nerd fine we're stoning adulterers too (laughs) the level of missing the point is staggering well yeah i mean they had to have one like non-gay thing in the bill so so it specifically singles out three protected christian beliefs the aforementioned belief that gays are gross no fucking before marriage and no being trans no just no existing if (laughs) you are trans just a 45-year-old, 25-year-old walk up to a hotel desk. Guy's like, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Come on. Who the fuck you think you're fooling? Is this a father-daughter dance? No? All right. Yeah. HB 1523, guys. Yeah. And uh, just in case the level of tragic ignorance wasn't high enough, Ken Ham decided to say some words into his magical electricity box again this week. Mm-hmm. Amish Wolverine sent out the following tweet on Monday. Quote, atheists are not only religious zealots, Um, but most are extremely intolerant of and hateful toward Christians. They want Christianity outlawed, end quote. Now, I know we're supposed to say something reasonable like, no, we just want equality for everyone. Yeah. But if Christianity is going to include stuff like HB 1523, then yes, it needs to be outlawed. Well, well, right. (laughs) If your religion requires you to break the law, then it's very literally illegal. It should, we don't need to out, it's already illegal. That's illegal. (laughs) Fuck. So. You're telling me my new church of the molested child is just not allowed at all? This is bullshit. This is only Christian. This is the problem. Freedom of religion. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've got some legislation to draft. And a church to form. And some more legislation to draft after that. So we're going to pause for a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. 
A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate race. It makes you a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massage. You know, sometimes I wonder what I'd do with a time machine. Go back and kill Hitler? Pick some winning law numbers? Or would I just throw a couple of lines into the Bible about keeping your laws out of my vagina? So before anyone draws a very special episode of Schoolhouse Rock about that, let's move on to our first story, which is, for the 84th billionth time, Jesus taking the wheel on lady parts. This week, House Republicans are planning a hearing on a bill that would ban abortions after just six weeks, long before the average woman knows they're pregnant. And wouldn't you know it, Steve, what have black people ever done that so great King is leading the charge? And what's amazing is that even the people backing the bill No, it's unconstitutional. They're just hoping to stack the bench of the Supreme Court with a few more Gorsuches, hoping that pesky Roe versus Wade decision will be overturned. King, who looks like the closest he's gotten to a uterus in years is through legislation, admitted as much in an interview saying, quote, by the time we march this thing down to the Supreme Court, the faces on the bench will be different. We just don't know how much different, but I'm optimistic, end quote. Well, that makes one of us, Steve. Then again, what, with Mueller and all, is it safe to assume Trump isn't in the last year of his presidency? Let's let the people decide. Next up, a Portuguese court handed out a reduced sentence to a man who went all naked on his ex-wife with a baseball bat full of nails because the man who beat her claimed she cheated on him. And the Bible calls that a no-no. I shit you not, in his ruling about beating a woman with a bat, this crusty motherfucker of a judge said he understood the attacker because adultery is a very serious offense against a man's honor and dignity, while pointing out that the Bible calls for the death penalty for adultery. And of course, in 1886, Portuguese law agreed with him because back then, if you killed your wife for cheating on you, you practically got a medal. And finally tonight, a bit of good news. As regular listeners know, Saudi Arabia has been crawling towards women's rights, and this week we took yet another baby step. Because women, wait for it, are now allowed to attend sporting events and stadiums. Take that, Iran. Now, I know some ladies in Saudi Arabia just lost their excuse not to watch football. Heads up, ladies, that shit is boring, and you and Heath can watch it your damn selves. Works just fine. And while it doesn't seem like a huge deal to us, this is part of a larger trend that deserves applause. And while you're all happy hopeful, I'll turn you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in the old balls and chain news tonight, senatorial shoo-in and guy who got fired twice for thinking Jesus is his direct supervisor, Roy Moore, is back on our desk this week because we just can't stop finding proof of him saying insane, dangerous, horrible shit. Yep. Sorry, I'll try to limit that down some. This week, I'm talking about a podcast interview Moore did last November comparing gay marriage to slavery, or more accurately, comparing the Obergefell decision to Dred Scott. That is a fucking ridiculous comparison. Dred Scott is hella easy to pronounce. Right. We couldn't find a gay couple with the name Smith. One of them was named Arthur. I'm just saying. Anyway. The man who was about to become a fucking senator said, quote, in 1857, the United States Supreme Court did rule that black people were property. Of course, that contradicted the Constitution, and it took a civil war to overturn it. No personal opinion on Dred Scott. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, don't get controversial. Okay, so is he saying we should beat the shit out of the South again? Huh? <laughs> I'm sure that can be arranged if it makes it feel better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I don't know, Heath. My cousin's husband seems pretty confident that his handgun's going to overthrow the shit out of some drone strikes. So. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. we want to mess with them. Well-organized group of idiots. That'll <laughs> stop the fucking drones in the army. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he continues. But this ruling in Obergefell is even worse in a sense because it forces not only people to recognize marriage other than the institution ordained of God and recognized by nearly every state in the union, it says that you now must do away with the definition of marriage and make but, it between two persons of the same gender or leading on, as one of the dissenting justices said, to polygamy, to multi-partner marriages. Oh, oh okay. Same as slavery. Hold on. The construction of that argument when, when synonyms are used is Marriage equality is worse than slavery because not only will gay people get married, but they will get married to gay people. <laughs> I mean, I mean let, let, let's set aside how much astroglide he needed on his slope by the end of it. Just the argument in X's and Y's is ridiculous. <laughs> you could draw it like a football play. It would be ridiculous. However, <laughs> yeah, you, you right, represent right. this. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it does sound like Roy Moore is ready to make a trade. So uh, what if gay people stop getting married, but... Christian people are all slaves from now on. That's a fair deal. That's a fair, he said that's a fair no, deal. No, he, he did. He did. That. He yep. certainly implies He's, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it actually gets worse. He concluded, no. quote, <laughs> we've got to go back. <clears throat> we've got to go back and recognize that what they did in Obergefell was not only to take and create a right that does not exist under the Constitution, but then to mandate that right compels Christians to give up their religious freedom and liberty. End quote. What? So wait, I was, let me see if I'm following this. Uh, one, this man was a judge. Two, uh, the words that came out of his mouth were black people didn't have rights. That was, you know, not good, certainly. Gay marriage makes extra rights. Making rights is worse than... <laughs> not having rights. And I think you might be being generous there. I think <laughs> really nice. I think he's is actually more. closer. <laughs> and finally tonight, from the Meow Fistopheles file. <laughs> Meow Fistopheles. St. Louis Pet Expo. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. It's gonna to get worse before this is over. <laughs> Meow Fistopheles, everybody. The St. Louis Pet Expo was supposed to happen over the weekend, but it was canceled at the last minute because of Satan. Yep. Actually, because of Christianity and how its existence can lead to stupid and destructive behavior. And in this case, that behavior came from a faithful adherent who thinks there's an evil demon fighting for control of the universe by taking over the body of a manager for the shitty pet themed event planner in Missouri, <laughs> where she used to work as an accountant. Right up until she got fired last week for being a fucking lunatic and sabotaging the company because of <laughs> the aforementioned Satan thing. Yeah. Eh, I don't know, Heath. You know the sheer volume of the internet cat photos control? Think about it. First come the cat photos, then comes the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Plus, we have no idea how vaguely European this dude's accent is. Should be right. So uh, here's what happened, uh, at least according to Amazing Pet Expos or Ape. Uh, the company bad that, acronym, yeah. bad acronym. <laughs> yeah, Ape is the company that canceled the event. And uh, just keep in mind that Ape has a long history of weird shenanigans, like canceling big events at the last minute. Here's the excuse, though. According to their website, the crazy accountant lady had quote come to believe she was a prophet tasked with writing a new book of the Bible, 
was Moses reincarnated and that the COO of our company was the Antichrist. Not a great start. <laughs> the dog ate my Expo homework. Well, it would have been way better. Than what, <laughs> the excuses right the there. The dog told me to eat my Expo oh, yeah, homework. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, continuing the quote. She'd been timing all of the COO's actions and claimed they all took place in increments of six seconds, six minutes, six hours, etc. Etc. Also, six fortnights? I guess. <laughs> Every 12 weeks, he would do something? No, no idea. Uh, continue the quote one more time. This confirmed he was indeed Satan. She was also incredibly sickened by our LGBT staff members. And in the most chilling portion of the recording, there was the recording, uh, she stated she needed to kill the COO slash Satan, end quote. Okay, so we're just holding what we say privately about killing our boss against people now? Because if so, I am very sorry, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you're going to kill me, do it now so I won't have to keep puzzling out what doing things in six minute increments would look like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, is he, is, I know he's not just pausing for the other five minutes. Does, does she mean that every time he does something, he was doing a different thing six minutes earlier? Because I, I do that. You were doing something six minutes I was, ago. You were. I, I was. Saw you. Noted. Noted. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, got lots of questions. Lots of questions. Like, how does one remove the integer six from one's life. <laughs> also, what the fuck was she recording? She made a tape of herself with with a murder threat on it. It's to, about I, no idea. But most importantly, why isn't anyone doing satanic pet expos? That would be amazing. That's a great idea. So obviously, we're going to need 30 seconds on the clock. Names for the Satan-themed pet expo that someone needs to start planning immediately. Go. <laughs> I don't know. You raised the bar pretty high with that Meowthistopheles joke at the beginning. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, you bet this bar's high. Apollyon. Paw. Like Apollyon. Uh, how about a Paradise Lost? <laughs> that was, no, that's way better. That's, that's way good. Better. Yeah. That's good. Um, how about Bark Angel? <laughs> the Lucifer Ball. Fur. <laughs> no, that works because mm -hmm. it's a ball, like an expert yeah. ball. Um, well, they're going to need a mascot. How about Oh Hell Kitty? The Mephistopheline. Oh! Uh, Dante's Inferno. <laughs> fur. Fur. fur, yeah, no. You're getting literary illusions in this week. Oh, this is strong. Yeah. This is strong. I'm okay. probably the best at this part of our show. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paw Prince of Darkness. Paw Prince of Darkness. <laughs> All right, how about Dog and Maydog? E you know, the, the yeah, they're like the evil <laughs> tribes they warn you about in Neuteronomy. Neuteronomy. <laughs> it's not. It's in Ezekiel. All right. Well, I ran out of things. So, Spaten, <laughs> Lord of Barkless. <laughs> Barkness? Bar Barkness, I think. Barkness. <laughs> Barkless. All right. All right, I got one more. How about uh, Lord of the Fleas? Of the Fleas. <laughs> no, that's good. good that's good. Up. And on that note, pretty sure my cat needs a bowl of fresh goat's blood, so we're going to close the headlines there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Ha no, that's good. Have sex with a Skepticon. <laughs> <laughs> usually yeah, usually good, you don't read no, the thingy, have, but have yeah. Have sex with us at Skepticon, <laughs> unironically. <laughs> and when we come back, Aron Segev will be here to remind me why I'm going to sit on a plane for 25 hours. No one will know. 
Here at Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, we're hard at work preparing for our upcoming visit down under, and while we're stocking various anti-venoms, practicing our crocodile wrestling techniques, and drilling Eli on the very many things that international pilots don't consider fair game for prank wars, we're also getting ready for one of the premier skeptical conferences in the world. And joining me tonight to tell us more about it is the president of Australian Skeptics, Inc., Aran Segev. Aran, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Thanks, Noah. I was so worried I was going to mispronounce your name. How'd I do? You did very well. All right. All right. The the awkward pause at the end gave me away. Okay. Well, that's all I can hope (laughs) for. All right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Skepticon Australia is the longest running skeptical conference in the world, is it not? That is correct. Yes. This will be the 33rd consecutive one. Wow. Uh, It's been running since 85. Yeah. Uh, Every year Um, in Australia, we have this um, arrangement where uh, the various skeptical groups pick up the mantle in a different group every year. So it runs in uh, different cities every year. Past few years, it's been mostly in um, uh, Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, Yeah, this is um, we we had a very big one in uh, 2010. We had Tam Australia and in 2014, we had one in Sydney again and this year again, Skepticon 2017. Awesome. And and how long have you been involved? I've been involved personally since uh, 2002 or three, when I suddenly discovered that there was such a thing as skepticism. Until then, I thought my name was know-it-all weirdo. And all of a sudden, I was a <laughs> proud skeptic. Uh, so that uh, obviously uh, attracted me very much. And uh, I've been involved ever since. I've been on the committee since 2003 and um, been president for most of the time since 2009. Oh, right on, right on. Well, I got to say, that is that is a hell of a moment, isn't it? That, oh, my God, I'm not alone in this world moment that all skeptics share. Quite amazing. It is. It's like, I believe that's as close to, uh, to a um, to an awakening, a religious awakening that I've as I've experienced ever. Yeah. It's, it's this light bulb moment when you suddenly realize that it's not just that you're not alone. You realize that there's a movement, that it's a thing, that it's not just you you're not a misfit. It's it's really, I mean, you're still a misfit. Well, right. In a, in a smaller way, I suppose. Well, and not only that, but you, at the same time, you suddenly realize that it's it's worth fighting for. It's important. You know, it's not just you correcting these idiots when they keep saying the wrong damn thing. It's not just you getting frustrated every time you walk into the pharmacy and see the homeopathic stuff right there with everything else. This actually matters. It matters enough for us to have 33 consecutive uh, conventions. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that obviously, you know, I spend a lot of my free time on skepticism. So it's, cl- it's clearly something that's very important to me, something that you uh, obviously understand on a very deep and emotional and practical level. And it's uh, something that I think is really important. We, we make a difference. Yeah. All right. So now it's the oldest skeptical conference in the world that it would stand to reason then that it's also the best skeptical conference in the world. Is that correct? I don't think anybody would argue with that. Clearly the best. (laughs) All right. So so give me the hard sell then. Imagine I'm a listener somewhere near the Sydney area looking for something to do on the uh, weekend of November 18th. Why should I go to Skepticon? Okay. Well, first of all, there's these bunch of uh, guys uh, scathing something uh, who are coming along and they're going to be uh, uh, they're going to be performing scathing atheist on stage on the at the end of the first day. And if that's not enough, then uh, there's going to be the two other guys from cognitive dissonance appearing at the end of the second day. So that that already covers both days. In addition, uh, I believe, Noah, that uh, you and the cognitive dissonance guys are going to be performing the uh, Citation Needed podcast. We have, uh, in addition to the main stage, we have 
a separate podcast room and uh, Citation Aid is going to be performed in that room. Have I missed anything so far? Well, you know, that's that's all well and good, but I could see <laughs> those guys just staying home. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, well, we'll also have Brit Termes, a uh, former naturopath, and um, now uh, a great fighter against quackery, especially in the naturopathic profession. Um, it's something that has landed her in some hot water. She's recently been sued by uh, a homeopath who she told the truth about, and also by Bastyr University, who she also told the truth about. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Captain Disillusion, Alan, um, I can't pronounce his last name. Nobody, nobody can. Um, <laughs> but uh, Captain Disillusion is going to be, he's going to be there, perform on stage. Uh, we have uh, astrophysicist uh, Alan Duffy, uh, Dr. Carl Krasonitsky, who is um, Australia's version of Bill Nye, is going to be there. He's a great friend of the skeptics and appears at our conventions very often. Cara Santa Maria is going to be there. Adam Spencer, a, a mathematical genius and great science communicator, is going to be there. Catherine Hughes is one of the speakers, and I'd like to speak about her in particular because Catherine and her husband Greg have lost their son Riley to whooping cough. And rather than curl up in a tiny little ball, as most of us would, uh, they have become great campaigners for vaccination, and we admire them so much. And Catherine's going to be speaking about Light for Riley, which is the charity they've established to promote vaccination. Uh, also, see, I've, I've had the um, great fortune to see Eli perform, not, not on a podcast, but, but live. Well, perform is perhaps not the right word, because I was trying to interview you guys, and uh, Eli is a walking visual gag. It's 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 really impossible to describe through a podcast. It's amazing that a guy with that much visual humor in his uh, in his quiver found his uh, niche in podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah, he's a blogger and podcaster. That, that is absolutely quite amazing. Yeah, but also it's probably important to note that he will not just. In addition to performing on stage during the uh, convention, there's also the convention dinner on the Saturday night. And Eli is part of the entertainment on that. So we really want people to come to the Saturday night dinner. Uh, it's a, a gala dinner with, um, well, gala by skeptic standards, which means that your T-shirt must not be stained. Um, it's not <laughs> a black tie event. Um, but, um, but you you know, it's, get, it's a three-course meal. There's going to be all, all the drinks for the entire night. There's uh, musical entertainment from uh, Rian Sheehan, who's a New Zealand uh, musician, great musician, and uh, he's going to be performing. And Eli is going to be performing a magic and comedy show, uh, which is, I'm sure, will be great. And the highlight of the evening for us is that that's where we announce the annual Skeptics Awards. So great entertainment for the night, great excitement, and uh, we hope people will join us for the dinner. All right. So I have an important because, you know, obviously you don't have to give me the hard sell. I'm already going. Is there a, this is going to be my first trip to Australia. Are there any survival tips that you need to give me between now and then or any of our American listeners that are going to, to Australia for the first time? I mean, besides not going to Australia. Other than that. Yeah. If you've abandoned that good advice, uh, what would be like the second best advice? Second best advice is wear high shoes. No, um, no really, you know. Australia is uh, a little bit less dangerous than usually described. Well, maybe a little bit more dangerous if you're gay, but... Um, <laughs> or, 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 well, that was going to be my last question was, would I be allowed to, to gay marry anybody while I was there? I looked that up on... on uh, well, <laughs> well, the thing is that the, you know, the, the, last, the last votes in our uh, uh, plebiscite on the lives of others um, is um, 
is on the 7th of November, so six more days from today, because I know that you are, it's the 31st of October for you, but it is definitely mm-hmm. the 1st of November for me. Um, so in six more days, the voting will end. And then on the 15th, so before uh, before the convention, but while you're already in Australia, uh, the results will be announced. And uh, hopefully uh, the yes vote will win and uh, all of a sudden um, gays will be equal and never never suffer from any discrimination ever again, because what? that's what always happens. Yeah, just like happened here in the States when we, when we legalized uh, it. Yeah. Absolutely. We we know that that's that's the end of discrimination. So um, hopefully that will happen. You know, it's been actually it's it, you know we're joking about it, but it's been tough because you know we all have a lot of friends who have suffered from discrimination for a variety of things. Being gay is one of them, and seeing the vitriol and just just pure hatred that's come out of the people who do not want uh, gay people to uh, be able to get married is is um is difficult it's really difficult for any right thinking person any moral person i would yeah. say uh to see it's really been difficult well i've got to say you know it, was, it it is hard to shock an american that grew up in south georgia with your anti-gay vitriol but the stuff i've seen rolling out of the right wing in australia has been disgusting so now i will say though i'm getting there on the 10th if uh marriage equality is uh Declared on the 15th, I'm totally taking credit. I have one last question for you. Uh, during the uh, the eclipse earlier this year, you and I were yes. in the same small <laughs> town in southern Illinois. I saw 98% occlusion followed by a cloud. You saw a beautiful eclipse in totality. Why does the sun hate me, Iran? Um, because you smoke, um, uh, be, uh, because you're an atheist. I don't know. I'm an atheist too. I, I don't know. I, I, I really can't explain. Look, you know, I'll only say that it also hates Pamela Gay. So I suppose. Yeah, and it clearly you know, hates in, her more than me. Yeah, because it hates her multiple times. It only hated you once. Well, it's hated me so. twice now. Yeah, yeah, twice. But oh, uh, really? yeah, I think she's on five or six at this point. So I'll... I'll, I'll... Yeah, she's done a few. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, if our listeners would like more information about Skepticon or they want to pick up tickets, you can visit thinkinc.org.au or just check the show notes for a handy dandy link. Aron, thank you again for your time tonight for me this morning for you and really looking forward to seeing you in person again. Look forward to seeing you soon now. In today's media environment, it seems like nothing trumps fear. Whole industries exist to pump fear into our homes and heads 24 hours a day. And the result is an ever more visible erosion of the trust that acts to bind a democracy together. But some people believe we can rise above those fears, steal our courage against the onslaught of international and domestic disasters, cast aside our phobias and come together as a cohesive, fearless society once more. And to those people, I say... Are you fucking kidding me? We still have a whole state full of people that are afraid of coffee. And it's with those people in mind that we bring you a brief selection, very brief selection from Christian cinema, far too short to make it to god-awful movies, but still too fucked up for us to not talk about in another installment of God-Awful Mini. 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 So tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? All right. We watched A Cup of Coffee. It's a 
motionless picture uh, about, <laughs> a, about a very serious Mormon topic. And that would be the classic coffee mix-up that almost gets someone killed. <laughs> <laughs> and Eli, how bad was this mini? Well, if you found the story about the time your friend almost fell down but didn't too gripping and full of adventure, <laughs> you will love this two minutes and 35 seconds of still photography and audio with a death translator in the yeah, front of it. So, so the first thing you need to know about this video is that there will be no moving. Um, and that will be disturbingly weird, right? We'll just see still pictures and dialogue over them. Real creepy. And we're going to we're going to start with a picture of kids playing soccer. I also, of course, we have to point out that there is a sign language interpreter covering a third of the screen. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, what? Oh, you mean the lady in front who was making fun of all the dialogue? I thought that was mean. Like, I, I know YouTube has a meaner culture, but just like yeah, 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 that, all those gestures and stuff. I don't know. Not my cup of tea. I just want to point out that they chose her over written words at the bottom. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we see a couple of kids playing uh, uh, soccer. Now, we should point out that this is in the early 80s. Um, shorts and ball hair reached about the same d distance down in the early 80s, if you're too young to recall. Yeah. Jesus. It, w it was pretty ridiculous. So did the shorts go up in the 80s? Instead of I'm pretty sure they were upside down, the yes. shorts they were wearing. They just started at the waist and went up? Yeah, so we're meeting Neil, Craig, and Mrs. Robinson, uh, who are talking about what a great game they had. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson, which actually makes sense because the sexual tension with these children is Thick. Who, who okay, thank you. You're yeah. you're the first one because there's a lot of like, oh my gosh, guys, like, what are we doing? We're all sweaty and done. And <laughs> I'm in a position of authority. You've taught me so much mm. about soccer today. What can I teach you? <laughs> and Bancroft. This movie's a lot like The Graduate. Yeah, no, it's very similar to The Graduate. <laughs> Except for there's more than like a seven year age difference. Yeah. So um, Neil and Craig are two boys in school. Mrs. Robinson is a new teacher uh, at their school who is also a member of their church, as we're going to find out in a moment. But first, we have to we have to uh, establish this subplot about the pictures. Oh, yeah. We, everybody's going to be lost if you don't explain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They took pictures of the soccer. Yeah, so Craig took pictures of, of the soccer match, and Neil would really like to see those pictures. So would Mrs. Robinson for reasons that are insufficiently explained. <laughs> it's like swiping on your friend's phone, just like, hey, hey, look at the picture of the silly dog. <laughs> so, all right, so now we... we cut over to the church or get still photos of the church uh neil and craig are hanging out there uh it, 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 we start off of course with another give me my fucking pictures moment um, <laughs> where are my fucking photos neil where are those photos neil <laughs> so then we get i guess i guess you'd call this a montage right except for it's pictures so how do you do a montage in pictures well what you do is you have audio fade in and out of people saying church words okay yeah, <laughs> I was confused by this. Like, I'm thinking, is this person doing sign language for me because my hearing's going in and out? How did they know that? <laughs> is this the movie? Do I get her now from now on? Everything just <laughs> <Yes>. like. <laughs> also, you have to wonder, like, because as this is fading in and out, she's doing the sign language. Like, how do you fade out in sign language? 
<laughs> right? Like gesture. I kept expecting her to like start slowly backing away from the camera or something. You, you put wait, you put a magnifying glass. You put a magnifying oh, glass no, the yeah, other right. way over your hands so they get smaller. <laughs> she uh, just starts doing itsy bitsy spider there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. They got sign language like backwards. They, they have sign language for all the parts except the ones we can't hear. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And by the way, we cannot overstate how banal the snippets of sentences that we're getting fading in and out are. Like, it's like, you know, it'll fade in and, and it'll just be somebody saying, and I'm really proud of the kids for all the things. And then we move on to the next one. What? You? I think it might be that they were like worried a full sentence would like let the magic out too much. So it was like, <laughs> and the beginning of the Mormon magic redacted. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It'd be like letting the uh, the handshakes get out, which is why they use still photos. I learned it the all. fucking handshakes. When I, was I learned the handshakes. Yeah. And I have been doing them to every strange man I meet. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So the key here is that Neil really, and, and Craig both, really like Mrs. Robinson's testimony, and they're very glad she's teaching at their school. So now with that important church scene out of the way, we go back to the school uh, where they can't even tell whether to call her Mrs. Robinson or Sister Robinson because it's teacher and it's it's church mate. They're so confused. They're like, good job, <laughs> sister teacher. Great, great porn category, sister teacher, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but well, first, before she shows up, they have to like talk. They have a little quick conversation about how they like Mrs. Robinson and how she makes them feel tickly under the belly. And 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 and, and I want to point out that they already had this conversation. This, this video is two minutes, 49 seconds long, and they're stretching for content. <laughs> anyway, remember that plot line about the pictures just came back full fucking circle. Neil needs Craig to meet him in the dark room after school to get those pictures. <laughs> I wrote in my notes. Hey, you want to meet me in the dark room for those pictures and maybe to get kicked out of the house by our dads? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah. There is no question they're going to fuck in that dark room, though. They actually show us a still shot. Well, everything's a still shot, but one of the still shots is Craig eye fucking the shit out of Neil as yes. Neil walks away. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. As he's walking away, right. Um, okay, so Neil's waiting on Craig to come back with the pictures. And he looks over and sees Mrs. Robinson <gasps> pouring fucking coffee. <laughs> it's Ugh, drip coffee. I and, felt the same way. <laughs> they do a three shot zoom on the coffee pour. Again, these yeah. are still photos, but it's like one, two, three. The final shot is a close up where we can see like the plastic top of the pots, not orange. Like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be orange, but it's the, it's the regular brown. It's like psycho music, like not decaf. <laughs> so, of course, Neil runs off to tell Craig all the horrifying news. Craig cannot fight. He refuses to fucking believe it. He's like, right. don't fuck around, man. If she was pouring coffee, I will honor kill her. I will honor <laughs> kill her right now. Cut to a picture of him curled up in the shower, fully dressed, rocking back and forth. <laughs> no, man. No, not Mrs. Robinson, man. Yeah. He shows up. He's like, dude, I saw Mrs. Robinson pouring a fucking coffee. Like, she could have been raping a kid with another kid's sawed off arm. The news would have been the same. <laughs> like, dude, she was pouring a fucking coffee. <gasps> Yeah. yeah. So they're going to lynch Mrs. Robinson is what's happening here. Like, 
So then he so like I said, Craig is is not believing. He's like, I, I refuse to believe it. She's too Mormon for that. It's impossible. And then along comes Mrs. Robinson with the, that caffeinated whore that she is. She has the cup of coffee in her fucking hand. <laughs> Just like, showing it off for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mrs. R, uh, check out this crucifix we made over this fire pit. Just, just right over here. <laughs> Try out the ropes. Just track test. Just feel how the ropes are. <laughs> And they're like, hey, we've got that picture for you. What is this? This is this. We just always carry acid in a flask with us. Just go. Just look at the picture. Bend over. Um, and she's like, oh, hold on. I have to bring Mrs. Olson this cup of coffee. It's not for me at all. She twisted her ankle and has trouble getting around. Oh, yeah. Coffee's for Mrs. Olson. Yeah, yeah. The, the Lamanite for her downstairs. <laughs> yeah, right. No, she's the worst. She's the worst. Keep poisoning her. That's good. Yeah, right, right. Well, and now here's the thing, though. Okay, if coffee is really this bad, like it's, it's hard to get into the Mormon mindset and believe that coffee is evil. But if you do, like, isn't bringing someone coffee also evil? <laughs> You'd think. Like, I mean, like crack dealers are also to blame, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, and then we but then we get the Scooby Doo fucking ending where Neil turns to Craig and he goes, "And we thought she was gonna drink it, ha 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 ha, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big laugh. Like, were you guys gonna murder me? We were gonna murder you. <laughs> oh man, uh, this is lit. maybe me be more clear about coffee for now. Yeah, maybe just we were yeah. gonna murder you. <laughs> this we is for someone else. This is for someone else. This is for someone else. <laughs> And by the way, we're going to include, like, again, this is less than three minutes. We're going to include a link on the show notes for this. If for no other reason, then everyone should go read the comments. They're fucking worth it. <laughs> mm. So with the knowledge that somehow disaster was averted and that Mrs. Olson is going to burn in hell where she belongs, I suppose we can close the book on yet another god-awful mini. 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 Before we make room on your up next list, I want to urge you one last time to make it to Skepticon. It's almost geographically impossible for you to be further away from it than I am, and I'm coming out so you have no excuse other than not being able to afford it or having a family or a real job or being allergic to poison. But other than that, you should definitely come. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday. An even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting 24 hours after that. And a still newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting 29 hours after that. Obviously, I'd have to start calling myself a para-podcaster if I failed to thank Heath Enright for somehow managing to fit 26-hour workdays into Earth's rotation at least a couple of times a week. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for making love out of nothing at all. I need to thank the lovely in his own way, Eli Bosnick, for never finding a dick joke too big for him to take. I need to thank Iran one more time for working with me through a 15-hour time difference to make that interview happen. Also want to thank Chris from the Podunk Polymath Podcast, who is backed by popular demand for this week's Farnsworth quote. If you'd like some more rationality in your life, you'll find a link to his show on the show notes for this episode. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best bipeds, Matthew, Matt, Lynette, Keishu, Elvin with an I, Elvin with an E, and Kelly. Matthew, Matt, Lynette, and Keishu, whose opinions give neutron stars weight envy and 
Elvin, Elvin, and Kelly, whose sexual prowess is so legendary it's narrated by British people. Together, these seven savory savants of savviness severed a sliver of their savings to save our severe savaging of the Savior this week by giving us money. If you think your intellectual prowess is up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but your finances are a little up in the air until that Nigerian prince gets back in touch, in the meantime, you can help us a ton by giving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else they let you do that kind of shit. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scanningadius.com. And Morgan, if you want to put some maybe some war sounds and explosions behind that, like, like the, the, <laughs> and also Christmas music, also Christmas music, and then and then also Christmas. And oh, and also Christmas music would be pretty silent good. Silent night, yeah, whatever's awesome. whatever's public domain. Yeah, bells, just bells. <clears throat> I don't know church bells. music. Well, um, maybe church bells. Also right. church bells. <laughs> sleigh bells. Do you mean sleigh bells? Bam. Ring ting tingling too. All right. And Morgan, if you can make it sound like it's echoing, but not, and sort of like coming up from the ground, but a little bit country. Quiet, but loud. <laughs> that quiet well loudness. Well done, but juicy. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.